All right, for those of you who don't know, I had the privilege in October of being part of a team sent to Nepal. We went to witness the gospel, to proclaim God's sovereignty and his handiwork in creation, and we came to bring Bibles to the remote mountain villages as we trekked along the path to Mount Everest. I want to thank you for praying for me and for the team while I was out of the country for three weeks. Your prayers were such an encouragement to us, and we saw God work in tremendous ways over and over again. Also, I want to thank you for your financial support. Some of you were incredibly generous to support us, and that allowed us to go the distance and make our objectives. Without your support, without your prayers, we would have gone nowhere. And so on behalf, on behalf of the Shadow Everest expedition, I thank you. Well, let me introduce the team briefly. Use a nifty remote. This is our team leader. This is Austin Collins. He led the expedition. This man discipled me. He's taught me almost everything I know about mountain climbing. And for years, Austin has discipled men, encouraging them to lead in their homes, discipling young men, encouraging fathers to take an active role, and to be strong, but not just strong in a physical sense, but strong to fight for the truth. And uh, it's just a joy to do more work with my friend. Uh, we all received nicknames, so that's what you see down there. Mr. Collins is called Dr. Collins because he's the expert in everything related to adventure. One more. This is Byron Zom. He was our team medic and researcher, one of the researchers. I learned a lot from this man. He's, he's really an inspiration to me. He's incredibly passionate for the gospel. I constantly saw him witnessing wherever we were on the trail, as we were traveling, at the guest houses that we stayed in, everywhere. He was talking to everyone he could, and sometimes with language barriers, but he was witnessing the gospel. Uh, he's an inspiration and a dear friend. And this is my twin brother, Andrew. You know, it's a family resemblance. <laughs> Andrew's my comrade in adventure, spiritual battles, and doctrine as we study together. Andrew served as the lead photographer for the expedition, and he, Andrew loves capturing God's handiwork, his majesty through landscapes and animal wildlife, and just showing God's glory. And uh, it was a joy to work with my brother again on this project. And there we go. This is Timothy Jones. With the name Jones, you couldn't help but make an Indiana Jones remark. But uh, Timothy served as our lead cinematographer. He generously lent the use of his Red Scarlet. So any of you in the film industry, you know this nice, expensive camera that you're not supposed to bring up a mountain and you're not supposed to take into any of the environments that we took it in. Uh, but we did. Uh, and he was gracious to lend that out and was a trooper on the trail. Lastly, myself, you all know me, Ryan Heckey. 
I served in the roles of logistics and technology. Basically, I maintained equipment, helped Mr. Collins navigate to the different points that we wish to visit, uh, the areas that we wanted to cover, and mostly support as a climber, helping us come from point A to point B, basically making things happen. This is our translator, Porpu Lumi, Lomi, actually. Uh, Porpu served as our translator. He speaks five languages and normally works as a Bible translator. And he always had a smile on his face. You can see it there. Uh, he was a joy to work with. Uh, he was a trooper on the rough areas of the trail, and he not being fully adjusted to some of those conditions. Well, I'm here to tell you today about the work God is doing in the nation of Nepal, especially in the church. Nepal is a spiritually dark, poverty-stricken land that desperately needs the gospel. But the laborers are few. In Nepal, there is a hunger for the gospel, but most of the country is trapped in the hopeless traditions of Hinduism and Buddhism, confined to a caste system which is similar to that of India. There is a cultural hostility to Christians, and especially in the mountain villages that are dominated by Buddhists and radical communist groups that hate God, hate Christians, but especially hate Christians who are saved out of Buddhism. The people of Nepal do understand that they can't be good enough to deserve mercy. They know that they have sin, but they wrongly seek forgiveness through works and motions in an attempt to cleanse themselves of guilt. You see, they are looking for God in all the wrong places, and as a result, they serve a whole plethora of false gods. Christianity has exploded in Nepal since 1951 when the door was opened for Christians to come and stay for an extended period. To this day, it is actually illegal to proselytize in Nepal. And it's illegal to come as a missionary. But you can dwell in the country, provide that you're there for another reason, like you're working, teaching, or uh, there on vacation, which is what uh, we classified ourselves as. Uh, now, to give you an idea of the size of Nepal, it's a small country. It is very close to the size of my home state, Iowa, with a population of just over 26 million people. Christianity is growing incredibly quickly in Nepal because the Christians there are not half-hearted in anything. This is a dear family that we met when we were in Luklet, beginning of our journey. They're all involved in missions. So let's see, Sange, right there, is the pastor of the church in Luklet. His wife next to him, Romy, that's a Christian that she took on after she became a Christian. She was saved out of Buddhism. 
their little boy Enoch and Sunge's brother Peter. To give you an idea, here's what Christians face in Nepal for Sunge. He serves as a pastor. There's not very many Christians, and he has very little support. He has very little fellowship where he's at. There are very few Christians, especially in the mountains. And to support his family, in addition to serving the church, he converted his house into a guest house where he takes in travelers, trekkers like ourselves, and he'll set you up for the night, give you food, lodging, and then he hires himself out as a guide up to the Everest Base Camp Trail. He's doing three different things, supporting his family and serving in the church. His wife, Romy, takes care of their son and helps run the guest house. His brother, Peter, serves in the church and serves as a missionary and evangelist traveling through the mountains. So that was kind of all introduction. And this is a theme right here that I would like you to think about today. Overcoming fear and obstacles. Please open up your Bibles and follow along with me here. Let's look at fear. In 1 Timothy 1, starting in verse 7. 1 Timothy 1, beginning in verse 7. Paul, writing to Timothy, says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Let's look at obstacles briefly. Turn to Second Corinthians 4. Beginning in verse 8, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8. We are troubled on every side, yet not in distress. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. <coughs> Answering the question... How do we overcome fear? And the first answer is through Christ. John 16:33. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Christ has overcome the world. He's conquered death. He is our hope of salvation. Think about that for a minute. If you are in Christ... There is nothing that you need fear. Secondly, through prayer. Isaiah 41.10 God promises, Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Also in Psalm, Psalm 18, 
I have it actually differently here. Go to Psalm 18, please. For verse 4, the sorrows of death compassed me, and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. Continuing down to verse 6, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him, even into his ears. See, the devil wants us afraid. One reason we may feel fear constantly. The devil wants us afraid. He wants us discouraged to keep us from serving God effectively. On one occasion, we were the team in Nepal. We were entering one of the gumpas, one of the temples there in a village. And one of my teammates, he said to me, he said, this is kind of spooky. You look inside and they've got these hideous masks and paintings uh, related to the Buddhist traditions. And he said, you can, you can almost feel the spiritual battle here. And uh, we talked about that for a little bit. I said, yes, you, you know, you almost can. But Satan has reigned here for far too long. And he has no dominion over us. We can boldly enter any pagan temple and proclaim that Christ is Lord. We need not fear anything. And finally, we overcome fear by meditating on the word of God. Isaiah 26, verse 3 Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. God speaks to us through his word, and one way that we meditate on him is by reading his word that he has given us. Obstacles. How do we overcome obstacles? Through faith. Hebrews 11:32 through 35. And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and Jephthah, of David also and of Samuel, and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in the fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. How else do we overcome obstacles? Through endurance. James 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him.
Not many of you know this about me, but this is a story I'm going to share for your encouragement. This is a picture of me after I was born. This is in the NICU. I was born nine weeks premature along with my twin brother, Andrew. We both had a number of significant medical conditions. My brother Andrew and I had a twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome. I only weighed three pounds. My brother Andrew weighed slightly more at four pounds. This is back in 1990. Medical technology was not quite where it is right now. The doctors didn't know exactly what to think. Um, They wanted to be optimistic, but there was a lot of doubt in terms of how long we would live. But they did expect if we did live and past infancy, they expected that we would suffer from physical disabilities and possibly mental disabilities. You see, I wasn't a likely candidate to climb mountains. I wasn't a likely candidate to go on a trip to, to witness the gospel in Nepal of all places, one of the tallest mountains, tallest well, it's the tallest region of mountains in the Himalayas. This child in this picture is not a likely candidate for any of that. But man's reason, by man's reason, I was not supposed to live. I wasn't supposed to walk. I wasn't supposed to speak. And God raised me and my brother Andrew up to climb mountains and to preach the gospel in Nepal. At the base camp of Everest, the tallest mountain in the world, on top of a 20,000-foot peak, turn to 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. I'll read there. He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I'm going to ask a question. Do you see obstacles in your life? Do you see things that you feel are holding you back? Overcome them by God's grace. Don't let them have a control over you. If you feel that God has called you to do something, break through those boundaries, those obstacles, those barriers, and don't blame your position your background, lack of opportunity, lack of resources, or him or her or whatever. The Christian life is a battle of which we all must fight and endure. And no matter where we find ourselves, duty is ours, results are God's. John Quincy Adams Remember Peter, who I mentioned earlier? I love this man. He became my friend. He inspired me with his grit and determination to witness the gospel. 
despite opposition. Peter is the second son from his family, which means that by tradition he is sent to the monastery to train as a Buddhist monk. And so he was sent. And after he was there for some time, his family got saved. They renounced Buddhism. They proclaimed that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. And then they went back to the monastery where they had sent their son. And they shared the good news of salvation with him. Now at first Peter was confused. He said, you've sent me to the monastery. Now you're telling me something else. But God had already been working in his heart. See, Peter was doubting Buddhism. It didn't offer him any hope or peace. It just left him empty. All the motions meant nothing. He thought there has to be something more. More than this. And before his family left, when they had come to visit him, they gave him a Bible which he had to keep hidden. He hid the Bible inside of his pillow. And then he began to hide the word of God in his heart. And late at night, when everyone else slept, he would carefully take out his Bible from the pillow. In the middle of the night, he would read it. He would read it. So carefully, he would read it. And ultimately, through the study of the word, and through the testimony of his father and his brother, his family ministering to him, Peter renounced Buddhism. He left the monastery. He witnessed to his friends. And then the threats came. He was given one week by the religious leader in that area to recant and say you can come back to the monastery but you have to recant and if you don't recant within one week we will ostracize you we will shun you Peter didn't do it then he got threats from radical communist groups that have a strong hold in those mountain villages and on one occasion he entered a village Peter was taken hold of by that group, a communist group. See, Christians don't make good communists. So they beat him severely. They beat him to such a degree that to this day, after he's had had time to heal, he still suffers from back pain as a result of those injuries he sustained. And he's the same age as me. Some of us, if we were in that scenario, we might feel bitter that we were treated so wrongly. We might say, I tried going over there. I tried witnessing to those people. Look how they treated me. I'm going to go somewhere else, somewhere I'm appreciated. Undaunted, without fear, Peter went back to that 
same village where he had been beaten, and he witnessed to the same people that had beat him. Talk about Christian love. Talk about loving your enemies. Talk about going back to a hostile place. He could have been killed. This man understands what it means to walk as Christ walked. Acts 20, verse 24. But none of these things moved me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Peter continues to travel through the Kumbu Valley as an evangelist preaching in those remote villages, telling everyone he can about Jesus. And he comes home to Lukla to help his brother serve in the church. He is half-hearted in nothing. How are we doing for time? I'll wrap up here. I'm going to pose the question, what is it that you are living for? Do you have a vision in your life? Do you feel stuck where you're at? Do you feel held back because of obstacles? Are you afraid? Are you afraid to witness the gospel? Or are you afraid of what it might cost you? For my part, I can say that I've spent too much of my life sitting on the sidelines. I could have done more. I could have given more. And fears held me back for far too long. Matthew 16:25. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. What I'm about to say applies to Christians. It applies if, for anyone who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. In life, you can achieve great things. You can achieve financial success. You can achieve fame and all kinds of glorious things. You can seek pleasures. But unless you know the Creator, and unless you have a life purpose that extends much further beyond this life and yourself and anything. Anything you do, all the achievements, any experiences, they will fade to vanity. And ultimately, they will leave you lost, they will leave you lonely, and they will leave you broken. What is it that you are living for? Sure, just briefly a couple more pictures. I'm an IT guy, so these are pictures my brother took, and out of the 2,000 or however many pictures, 6,000, whatever, I've got about half a dozen here that I've put in the slideshow. <laughs> Go figure. This little boy, we gave a track to a woman that 
after we ate at um, their guest house, giving her a Bible. The people in Nepal hold the Bible very preciously. Some of the poorers we gave Bibles to, they were offering a week's wages from other porters that they met along the trail that we had given Bibles to because they wanted one too. There's another woman that we gave Bible and tracts to. Let me close with a word of prayer. Lord God Almighty, I pray for your church in Nepal and around the world. Lord, that you use us, your servants, that you would send us to proclaim your word and the gift of salvation which Christ has bought on the cross. Lord, that we would not be half-hearted anything, that we would not be held back from fear and from obstacles that we find in life, that we would hold fast to your word, that we would trust in you, Lord, that we would have faith, faith that moves mountains, that we would walk as you walked, Lord, that we would show forth your love and your compassion by your strength. Lord, this is something you must do in us. We lack, we are a needy people. Lord, I pray for our brothers, our sisters in foreign lands who are lonely, who serve you under persecution, who are tortured. Lord, who are despised. Lord, I pray for them. Your grace would be upon them that your church would grow as a result of their suffering. Lord, I pray for our fellowship today, that our words would be honoring to you, that we would seek your face in all that we do. I pray for Mr. Renfro as he gives a message in just a little while. I pray prepare our hearts for worship. We bless, we bless and praise your name. You are God. Amen.